0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to our final edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. It is Friday. John Schmunk, Paul Dettino with you. Our first guest is going to be Dane Brewer from The Athletic. Uh, just a reminder, coming up later on in today's show, we're going to have Mike Tannenbaum on after uh, Dane goes exit stage left. And then we're going to have Joel Corey on, and we're really going to dip into both sides of the Daniel Jones contract negotiations. we got the GM side We got the agent side, and guys, just to be clear, we're going to talk numbers. This is not Paul and I negotiating any contracts here. We're just talking hypotheticals and kind of throwing out there exactly what both sides will be asking for and how that back and forth is going to go. Uh, So make sure you tune in for that, and then Tony Pauline will... Uh, wrap up the show with us as we uh, get out of Indy, hopefully beat the weather back to New York City. All right, Dane Brugler, you can find his work on The Athletic. Of course, uh, we've been promoting his beast, which used to be an independent project. Now, it's part of the your athletic subscription uh, for, for more than a decade. The best draft guy in the business, uh, one of the best draft analysts in the business as well. Dane, man, how's your, your work treating you so far, man? So
3: far, so good. I mean- Walking over here in a lot of rain, Uh, some some crazy winds, but uh, besides that, no, uh, it's been good. We finally got to see some guys on the field last night, which was great to see. I know. Get some numbers, get some actual, you know, some football drills in. Uh, So instead of talking about, uh, you know, what they're going to do, we could actually talk about what they did, so that was nice. Um, And, you know, the next three days should be fun. We've got uh, the corners tonight. There's some corners that are going to blaze and uh, the 40-yard dash, um, and then obviously quarterbacks, uh, wide receivers, and offensive linemen, running backs. So, yeah, it's going to be a fun end of the week.
0: All right, so let's start with the workouts yesterday. Um, who jumped out to you? Um, I thought Tommy Adebowari, a guy that we talked about in, in Mobile yeah. Mm-hmm. How is this guy not getting more credit? I mean, people you know about Kalijah Kansi's forty yard dash just right. because he worked out with the tackles, and Awari worked out with the ends. They're it's... both two hundred eighty pounds. He ran a sub four five. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Look like a tight end out there, didn't he? And, and people make the the, the uh, Kansy Aaron Donald comparison because yeah, he's yeah. in Pittsburgh. Right, right. If you look at body types. Mm-hmm. The Northwestern kid's rocked up a lot more like Aaron Donald than the Cansey kid is, at least to me.
3: Yeah, one hundred percent right. And no, you, you bring it, you make a great point because even though Adibari did work out with the Edge Group, he's actually heavier than Cansey is. So uh, you know, everyone's saying how oh, Cansey ran the fastest forty ever for a defensive tackle. No, actually Adibari did that. And so I've never I've never seen a human two hundred eighty plus pounds run a sub four five forty. I've never None seen None of it. us have. No, it's it, we, we have not seen that at the combine. So I, you can't really uh, overstate how how impressive it was that he did. Now, how do you apply that to the, the his his report and his projection and his draft grade? And his
0: field work was also equally impressive. It too, was, yeah.
3: And so we're talking about a guy that killed the Senior Bowl, knocked the combine out of the park. Um, the the tape isn't as impressive. It that the, the tape doesn't scream top fifty pick, top seventy five pick. Um, you know, it's more third, fourth, fifth round in that range, uh, depending on, you know, the games that you watch. But, okay, so how do you reconcile that where he he tests like a top 10 pick, but his tape says he's not a top 10 pick. So he's a fascinating uh, test case that I'm really interested to uh, talk to to some more teams about, get a feel for how they feel it's going to, I don't know that he's going to get in the first round, but at least he's going to be in that top 50, top 60 conversation now when, you, you know, you can move like that. And, he has an interesting body type because he's, he's shorter, but he's long.
0: Long, 34-inch like arms. Exactly. Yeah. So,
3: you know, and in, in I initially, watching him at the Senior Bowl, I thought, okay, this is a three technique. I want to put him in the middle, get that interior disruption. But when you're running a 40 like that, it's a maybe... Let's put him on the edge where you give him a little bit of a runway. So, you you know, that first two steps, you build up speed and see what you can do. So, or could
0: he be like an odd man front five technique, right? Something yeah. like that. He's
3: got the length to do it, yeah. right? And he, he's a tough kid. So, I, I think he has certainly helped himself. Now it's up to teams to kind of figure out exactly what it means.
1: I had not looked at all at Hall at inside linebacker. Mm. And yesterday, he ran pretty well. Yeah. He looked darn good. Yeah. Physically, he's imposing. He, mm. He's thick. He's cut. And then he moved. Yeah. I, what, what can you tell me about him? Because I haven't looked at him.
3: Uh, wait, which linebacker? Hall. Um, wh- Hall.
0: No, Hall's defensive tackle.
3: Who am I about? talking about? I
0: don't know who you're talking about. I'm lost. Henley? <laughs> Diane Henley you're talking about? Campbell? No. Never, mind. Campbell Never mind. Jack Campbell Never mind. No, no, I'm lost. <laughs> I'm lost.
3: <laughs> well, I do want to ask about Jack Campbell I, Yeah, I mean, he was uh, – the linebacker, Jack Campbell was – I mean, I – He's he's got good tape. I did not see the what, six seven four three cone. That that was. Wait,
0: well, he ran a six. I I didn't see that number. The
3: best three cone we saw yesterday. Yeah, Ooh. six seven four. So um, he
0: might not get to the Giants in the second round. Now I was hoping he might.
3: Yeah, it, it, we're talking about a guy that's extremely smart. He's instinctive. I don't know that he necessarily plays to that speed all the time, but uh, you know he is. He's really really talented.
1: Derek Hall from Auburn.
3: Okay, Derek Hall. Yeah, yeah, the pass rusher. That's who yeah, I yeah. was talking gotcha. about. Gotcha. Yeah, he's he, he is really impressive. Uh, he's it, the speed he brings off the edge. I I don't know that he has the counters that you're looking for, but do you want a guy that's a hard charger and can really bring it off the edge. That that that's they Derek. They looked like Hall. a locomotive
1: yeah. when he was doing his. Yeah. his, his that's his... how he
3: plays too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's man. he's got the motor. He's got the uh, I think the mentality. Now he, does he need to? Add a little more savvy to what he's doing, yeah, to, to really unlock everything. But g- give me the, the speed that he has, the mentality that he has, and, yeah, you know, he can—he's somewhere in that top 40 conversation for sure.
0: Wow. What are the guys jumped out to you yesterday from everything that you saw that, that either you knew beforehand were going to blow it up or maybe defied some expectations for you?
3: We got to talk about Nolan Smith, right, the Georgia oh, Pac- wow. sure I mean, he's—first uh, off— uh, great human being stole um, the podium he did yeah stole the podium laughs cries and there was everything at the podium, <laughs> right you know he had he had the it was like inside the actor's studio up there well and that's that's not it's not an act or oh, anything no no, no I, yeah, know, yeah. I know but that's just how he is genuinely that's how he is um talking to you know david pollock you know, you know former georgia gray does a great job with espn he, he's been mentoring him over the years and he just raves about him the person and that, that's the first thing and you know we see that viral clip of his Georgia teammates in the locker room watching him run like you, you don't know.
0: seem to love him man exactly
3: that, that that's uh, you, you can't fake that kind of stuff and
0: his tape last year is something he moves he moves
3: it, it, and it's a shame that you know his season was cut short because that pec injury so you know but the f- first five games he was looking really good he was looking like a player and there's a reason why he missed the second half of the year he was still number 19 overall in my top 100 coming into the week. I mean, he's still a guy who thought, okay, this is, he's too talented to fall too far. Um, and then for him to go out and run in the four threes, four, three, nine, unbelievable time. This 10 yard split, one, five, two, because we know that's- That's ridiculous. That's what you're looking for at pass rushers. How quick can you get out? Uh, to run a one, five, two is an unbelievable time. So uh, the jump was great. The broad jump was great. He had a fantastic workout. Um, you know, he didn't do everything because he's still waiting for, to be a hundred percent. But for him to go out and work out like he did, oh man, he's uh, it, it, the Willie Anderson's gonna be the first pass rusher drafted, and then okay, who's second? Is Do you it? think
0: he solidified himself in front of Tyree Wilson?
3: No, I wouldn't say that. I think, it, but I think it makes the conversation really. Uh, it, it, it seems to look at it a little bit different because we're talking Tyree Wilson is what forty pounds bigger, you know. So we're talking about two different body types and sizes and what they offer. Um, but if if I'm looking for more of that three four stand up a uh, guy that can, you know, maybe play in space and uh, it brings a little more speed off the edge than Nolan Smith is my guy. He's, you know, that Georgia scheme, he didn't, they asked him to read a lot. You know, they asked him to stand up in space. He wasn't asked to just pin his ears back and go. And that, that that's a reason why his production maybe isn't eye-popping. But Nolan Smith had a uh, fantastic workout that, solidified where what we thought of them, plus a little bit more.
0: I'll say this, drafting Georgia defenders is like drafting Kentucky guards. Yeah. Where the, the numbers might not be what, what you think they are, but yeah, you yeah. have to mm-hmm. look at the, the traits. Paul, go ahead.
1: Paul, oh, it's pro-ready. Pro-ready. So yeah. You know That's what you're they getting. They do. Yeah, you know yeah. what
3: you're getting. I, I think, you know, we can say that about Alabama and Ohio State, but especially Georgia the past two years of what they put into the league. Yeah.
1: Um, The Carter legal issues that just threw the entire apple cart upside down. Yeah. How much of a difference for you was there between him and Anderson up at the top of the board? Was it really kind of flip a coin or did you really believe he was by far the number one pick in this draft?
3: I think it comes down to um, what's what's harder to find, what's more valuable, that outside disruption or the interior disruption. And Jalen Carter being able to give you that interior disruption, it's harder to find and it's it's a little more valuable in today's game mm-hmm. uh, to disrupt the pocket from the inside, force the quarterback. Uh, he's not able to climb, you know, with an outside rusher coming in. See Dexter
0: Lawrence this year, by the exactly, way. We saw it we saw exactly.
3: It. Yeah. He, he, Giants fans know better than than most uh, with with the, the defensive lineman they have. So, I, I, for that reason, Jalen Carter got the edge for me. Um, his block destruction is special. His uh, his body control and the power that he brings is just, and it it's not just the physical traits. He has skill. He knows what he's doing to break down the rhythm of blockers and get through them uh, and get to the quarterback. So his disruption is just truly fantastic. He's uh, now you're right. It, what happened that really puts everything up in the air a little bit? Teams already were like, talking to scouts about him and you know character quote unquote character concerns. It wasn't something that they were necessarily worried about they just had to do a lot of homework you know because he was a little bit of an immature player um you know the coaches got to ride him at times but we could say that about almost every single underclassman that's in this you know it's just that when you're talking about 20 21 year olds that's that's par for the course but what happened with that situation that's new information scouts didn't know about that right? right that that's something that isn't something else that you have to add to the equation and figure out what it means is this a player we're gonna to have to worry about moving forward? Is this just, uh, you know, an immature uh, act that we can move, he will learn from and we can move forward? Uh, a scout, that's what scouts are gonna be trying to figure out here. Um, I still find it hard to believe he's gonna fall out of the top five.
1: Okay, before the legal issue, there mm-hmm. might've been some teams who might've wanted to trade up to number one to, to grab him, right? Before the legal issue.
3: Sure, well, and okay. not, not only one, but with the quarterbacks maybe going early, maybe a team could, trade up to four and get them so you know that definitely that, that so that's
1: what i'm wondering now. how up. does it shake up the trade market for mm-hmm. those top picks because this shuffles everything
3: it, it does and I, I still think the trade markets it's, it's going to start with the quarterbacks you know that's chicago i i'd be very surprised if they pick at number one you know they're they're going to get an offer from some team to move up to number one to get a quarterback um but you know it does shake things up so if you know say you're chicago and you know you, you the colts you trade back to number four with the Colts. Um, now instead of staying at four and picking a Jalen Carter, maybe you're more willing to oh, the Panthers are calling. All right, let's move back to nine, get another pick, mm, and you know multiple
2: the picks. Panthers want to go For
3: up sure. to get a quarterback. So yeah, it, it does really shake up things in the top ten. It will it will change the way uh, teams go. But again, this is still a really good player, um, and teams are going to try and figure it out. Hopefully they have the answers they need to make an informed decision. But, uh, you know, it's, I'm just glad this is, you know, one of the silver linings It's happening now and not, you know, it's not the the gas mask thing with Laramie Tunsil Tunsil, and, you know, it's not happening (laughs) a, a day before the draft. This gives teams enough time to, you know, really vet the situation and figure out more.
0: All right, let's. uh, You mentioned we have cornerbacks today, receivers Mm -hmm. tomorrow. Two needs for the Giants. So give me some names that Giant fans should be having their eyes on that could be available at 25 for them that, you know, for one, fit Wink uh, Wink Martindale's press man scheme on defense with the corners, and for offense, complements what they have already, which is Wando Robinson in the slot and kind of a bigger possession receiver in Isaiah Hodgins that, you know, maybe could be available at 25.
3: Right. So, you know, at corner, these guys are, are going to run really fast. I mean, I, I can't wait to see Christian Gonzalez, the Oregon corner. He's one of the best players in this draft. Uh, he's at number five overall for me on my board. Um, one, one of the really good players in this draft. So he's going to run well. Um, so Keeley Ringo from Georgia, um, I'm really interested. He's cause he's going to test really well. But we know that already. Uh, that's not going to be a surprise. It's not. A, I don't think it's a case of, okay, he ran a 435. All right, we need to move him up. We know he's fast. Mm-hmm. The big question is: Does he have the discipline? Does he have the the technical skills that uh, you're, you're going to need, and especially in a uh, Martindale offense, our defense? So um, it, it, it's uh, it, Ringo is a guy that I'm paying close attention to because it, there's so much ability there, so much ability in that body and that athleticism. It's just okay. Where do you feel comfortable drafting him? And you know, can he be a fit? How quickly will he be able to learn? Um, so Keely Ringo definitely got to watch. On offense, I, you know, Quentin Johnston is the really intriguing player because I think he, not only does he fit what I think the Giants could be looking for because he has size and he has speed, um, he can play multiple spots on that uh, on that in that formation. Um, whether you want to play him outside or inside, I think he could do either. Um, and not it, we lump all these receivers in the same bucket, but they're also different. Uh, 100%. You know, I mean, Jackson Smith and Jigba, what he offers compared to Quentin Johnston. It, night and day difference. Versus Jay flowers,
0: it's right. all different.
3: It, so I think it's important that you know we have to we have these subcategories of all right, he's a slot only or he's he's a true X or you know wh- whatever it may be. Quinton Johnson I think does give you a little bit of flexibility of you know I think he can, can be an X. Um, you know you want to play a Z, you want to play inside, whatever. So um, I, I think definitely Quinton Johnson is cause 6'4", 215. six four two fifteen a four low four fours probably uh mm-hmm. vert over 40 inches he's going to test really really well a it's just yak too man uh, that size he has just an innate ability to make the first man miss yeah. and it's not power it's not quickness it's both i mean he, he really has a feel for it it's just okay can you live with the drops can he get better with some of the focus issues and then uh the route running you know it's how long before he's going to be on the level that you need to go out there and play starter level snaps
1: You know, the Giants need an inside linebacker, Mm. a run stopper. We have been told by a lot of folks that this is not a great class for that. Would you put more of your stock in maybe picking up a veteran free agent or hope that Darian Beavers comes back from his knee injury last year and go that way instead of potentially reaching for an inside linebacker class that a lot of people aren't too high on?
3: Yeah, and I think that's that's probably the way that they should approach it, especially with free agency being first. You know, you see, okay, what are the price tags on some of these linebackers that are available? What's it going to cost us? What's the fit? I think you do go that direction first, and, you know, it, it – if it doesn't work out, then you always have the draft where you can potentially, um, you know, fill that need. But you know, it, it's it's not the strongest linebacker group. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm a big fan of Drew Sanders at Arkansas. Right. I I think I had him going to the Giants in my first mock draft um, you know, back in uh, December. Uh, really talented uh, athlete who can rush the passer. He can stand up in space. Uh, his looking at his stat sheet, the diversity of production was so impressive. Yeah. Where it's Tackles for loss or force fumbles or pass breakups or sacks. Uh, it's exactly. I mean he he led or he was second in the SEC in Sacks, I believe. So um, you know, he he did he put up Khalil Mack like numbers uh last year, but he he's an athlete that will stand up the play and play in space. So uh, you know, Dre Anderson's really interesting. Trenton Simpson's a super athlete. Mm-hmm. Um Zach Campbell, or uh, yeah, Jack Campbell, who we talked about uh from Iowa, who is really smart, really sharp, um, just kind of a plug and play linebacker who I I don't know that he necessarily plays as well as he tests, but he's a he's just a rock solid player. So um, and then you got a few other ones, Henry Toe to from Alabama. Um, you know, there, there, there's some decent linebackers in that third, fourth round range. But if you're looking for someone to come in and start right away, I, I think you're definitely going the free agency route.
0: Dan. Good stuff, my man. Yeah, appreciate see it. You, always, see you again. Yeah, Dave you. Ruler from The Athletic. Go check out his pre-combine top 100. That'll, of course, uh, update. We'll have a mock draft coming after the combine, correct?
3: Yeah, that's it this week, yep. Yeah.
0: And then he puts the head down, and uh, The Beast will be out first week of April, knock on wood.
3: That's the goal. I, uh, days are running short on me, so we got to get working.
0: You aren't getting nervous yet, are you?
3: I'm always nervous. <laughs> Make <I'm always laughs> sure you have electric yeah. in that cave, okay? Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. <laughs> uh, All
0: right, that's Dave Ruler. We'll be back with Mike cannonball, then Bill Coyne. Again, we'll do some uh, contract talk with Daniel James, Sigmund on <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. John Schmuck, Paul Dettino from Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. We're joined by former NFL general manager, and of course, he works for ESPN. And the man in charge of the 33rd team, which is an up-and-coming outfit here covering the NFL, he is Mike Tannenbaum. Mike, how are you, man? Good to see you.
5: Yeah, good to be with you guys. How are you?
0: We're doing great, man. It's fantastic to have you here. So... We had Joe Shane. He he spoke uh, to the media, to us, and to Good Morning Football this week. He said he's been kind of meeting with Daniel Jones' agents every day out here, trying to get a deal done. You know what it's like in these situations for a GM. You know, put us in Joe Shane's shoes. What is this week like for him as he tries to get something done with Daniel Jones? You just switch agents, and this is kind of the first time he's dealing with this group.
5: Yeah, you know, you gotta think about, really, March 7th is the deadline, so that's Tuesday at 4 o'clock. Um, and really, anything between now and then, is important, but really heading into Monday is when things will really ramp up. And at some point you got to put your best offer on the table. And the one thing I would say about what's really unique about the Giants situation is, and I've said, you know, roughly it's a hundred million for three years. Like that's where I'd be comfortable, but regardless if it's 10% more or less, and I'm sure there's, you know, some work to be done between both sides. I would say this, given the unique situation of Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, If I had to reach a little bit past my comfort zone to keep Daniel Jones under contract, I would do it this year from a context of like, okay, I'm paying that and I'm keeping Saquon Barkley because now I could franchise him. So to me, like in the back of my mind, it's really like almost like two for the price of one.
1: You mentioned a unique situation. Mike, I went back into my memory banks. I could not remember a similar situation where a GM had to deal with a franchise quarterback and basically a franchise running back coming up due at the same time. This is just a nightmare.
5: Yeah, well, I'm sure, like, you know, look, when you go through it, you're never going to get every decision right. But I'm sure hindsight, if they exercised the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones, it would have staggered it from a timing standpoint. Obviously, that's something that, you know, they'll reevaluate and think about how to handle in the future. And now you just say to yourself, look, it starts with the quarterback. And we got to keep – they're going to keep Daniel Jones because he may not be perfect. But when you look at the alternatives right now, is it Anthony Richardson? Is it Derek Carr? I mean, there's 14 teams that need a quarterback. And I'm sure what Daniel Jones' agent is saying is like, hey, we don't need to argue here. Let the market dictate it.
1: Now, you know, for those people who say, well, the Giants should have used the 50-year option on Jones – well, obviously, A, you didn't know how much he was going to improve because the, uh, the ceiling obviously raised itself this year because he had a great year. But there's the other thing about the durability factor. Daniel Jones had not played a full season without injury until this year. He had to prove that to them too.
5: Yeah. No, there's uh, there's risk in any decision. I always look at a decision by saying, like, what are the alternatives? And, again, I, I think Daniel Jones is, you know, whatever you want to call him, a B, a B plus. He is far from mm-hmm. perfect. You know. And he did miss some games. Um, now you look at down the road, and Lamar Jackson, and he wants presumably two hundred and thirty million dollars fully guaranteed. And the last two years, he didn't finish the season. But again, the question I would have if I was the Ravens is, would I rather have Lamar Jackson for fourteen games or for zero? And you right. know, that's the, that's sort of the analysis. And with fourteen teams needing quarterbacks, there's just not enough of them to go around. Mm-hmm. As you try
0: to manage the cat and the future as a general manager, and you look at the potential contract for Daniel Jones, right? You have the $32 million franchise tag as one option, which obviously you don't love because it kills your cap this year. But what you do like is that, all right, well, maybe this was a one-year blip for Daniel. This year's not as good. You have an easy way to get out of it, right? But you do a longer-term deal, cap money's a little bit lower but then you can't get out of it as soon so how do you balance the advantages and the disadvantages of yeah. both those and find what works for your team especially given where the Giants are where they're not Super Bowl contenders but they did win a playoff game in the first year of the regime
5: yeah that's right and hey, look I, I think it comes back to one very basic question like who's playing quarterback for us so you know even if you're outside your comfort zone because again like they're not a Super Bowl roster right now but like to me what's the alternative like Let's say Daniel Jones graduates. Let's say they franchise Saquon Barkley. Like, who's playing quarterback next year? And what's your plan moving forward? Because Mm -hmm. if you win enough games, to their credit, like, you're not going to probably be in a position to draft Caleb Williams the year after. So it's rare that a young, ascending, high-character, durable quarterback is going to come available in free agents. So Daniel Jones isn't perfect, but to me, like, he's – the start of giving you something stable at that position. Right, and
0: I think we know he's going to be back next year, right? because they can't tag him, worst comes to worst. So I guess the question for you would be, what would be your priority? Having the ability to get out a little bit earlier and hedge your bet, yep. or to get the cap number lower and have him for a longer period of time? Which would be the priority for you in this situation yeah. with Joe Shane?
5: Yeah, like I, I've said countless times, like I would try to do a three-year deal. I'd probably stretch out the guaranteed money a little bit, um, because let's face it, it, we don't have a huge body of work. And three years gives you three more years to try to find his replacement.
1: Uh, Let me ask you about the mechanisms that a GM can use because everybody thinks about, oh, signing bonus. But there are so many. Roster bonus, appearance bonus, game-by-game bonus. Workout bonus. Workout bonus. There are so many other triggers. And I believe Josh Allen with the Bills, to me, would be the model of the kinds of triggers I would use for Daniel Jones because the Bills did a great job of being able to You know get his number manageable even though he got a very big contract can can you explain maybe to the fans who don't understand all the different kinds of things you can do to maneuver that contract
5: yeah no you you just laid out a whole bunch of them the other one i would add to is like just guaranteed money so you may be a part on you know hey 40 million up front 50 million up front but how much is guaranteed in later years and which years it's guaranteed often will drive like a, a compromise so in this case if the number 10, $15 million apart in, in the sign bonus, but we're talking about a material third year guarantee. That oftentimes will bridge mm-hmm. the gap because most times after the second year, there's not a lot of guaranteed money left.
1: Right.
0: All right, let's jump over to Saquon Barkley now. Uh, they can always tag him if they want. Talk about the advantages and disadvantages of that. And then what do you think it would look like for Saquon if he does hit unrestricted free agency, given, frankly, how many good running backs are available on the market this year? And it's a pretty good draft class at the running back spot too.
5: Yeah, I think he'll do well. I think he's an explosive difference maker. I think his pass protection's gotten better. And he has, you know, if you take the word wide receiver off his back and say he's just a playmaker, you know, I see him and Tony Pollard very similarly. I don't think either guy should leave their teams. They're, they're, They're that good. Um, now look there's a long history going back to Todd Gurley and even McCaffrey of all these running back deals that haven't worked out but Mm -hmm. I think Saquon is homegrown high character improved wants to be there like those are the guys that you want to reward so again you can't overpay people you got to make hard decisions but if you are going to give somebody the benefit of the doubt Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley are those types of guys
1: how much of an impediment do you think it would be for either Barkley or Jones going forward as players if either one did not return?
5: Well, I think they're both I think that obviously it depends on the scheme and where they are. I think they're both will figure out ways to be productive. Like if Saquon Barkley signs with the Atlanta Falcons, like I think he'd have a great year. You know, I think Arthur Smith would find ways to use him maybe similar to the way he used Derrick Henry for example. So, mm-hmm. I do think both of them will will do well, just because I, I know how how important football is to each of those guys. Mm-hmm.
0: How would you build the Giants right now if you're Joe Shane? Because Mike, and look, Joe will never say this, but I think he probably assumes he's gonna come here. The first year continues to be kind of almost like a tear down year, right? And then you really start building up now. Then the team goes out, they win nine games, they win a playoff game. And now you have good players you're gonna wanna bring back. How aggressive are you in free agency, or do you really still try to build up through the draft here, so you collect a lot of players on those low-cost deals that you can have and build your roster with over the long term?
5: Yeah, that, that's always going to be the foundation of your team, but you do have to be opportunistic mm-hmm. and try to add players. Like, look at the team down the road that won the champ, well, that got to the championship in uh, Philadelphia. You know, they add Linville Joseph and Adam Consume in season. They trade for Garter Johnson at the end of August. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was a team that adds. Jordan Malata as a seventh-round pick. Like, I think they've checked every box in terms of team building. They draft Jalen Hurts when they signed Carson Wentz to a big extension. So I think you have to be looking at improving your team year-round. We remember
1: when the uh, Bills were trying to get to the next level after they acquired Josh Allen and they were quickly moving up the ranks and they made the big trade for Stephon Diggs, which really kind of put them into Super Bowl contending category. Now, we're not saying the Giants are quite there yet. They're not. They're getting there, but they're not there yet. Do they make a deal to get an alpha wide receiver in your opinion? Should they?
5: Yeah, I would probably use resources otherwise because I do think there's a number of really good receivers coming out, like where they're picking. Maybe it's a guy like Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee mm-hmm. who's a big, strong, explosive player. So I wouldn't rule it out, but I think there's just until you could fortify both lines, and, and I think there are improved lines for the Giants, like to me, that's where the job really begins. Right.
0: The tight end position, Mike, are you a believer of? waiting on the tight end or do you think it's become a position now in the NFL where you can pick one in the first round if you really think it's going to be a difference maker in the passing game and you know you can kind of create the mismatches you want in you know co personnel groups
5: I I think it's so important look at the Super Bowl like Dallas Goddard Travis Kelsey great players you know you look at George Kittle you know just look at the playoff teams they all have them Uh, even Hayden Hurst played really good for the Bengals so to me the Mm -hmm. Now, this draft is loaded with tight ends. That's why I asked. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. um, you know, look, you know, Evan Ingram, I think we all think he'll get franchised. Um, and there's a couple other in free agency, but um, I think this is a year you could draft one.
0: Now, do you, are you more concerned with the two-way tight end now, or are you more concerned with the guys that are going to really impact the passing game?
5: Yeah, it's really more on the passing game. they got to be able to cut off on the backside. Um, but look, you know, the days of, you know, the 280-pound blocking tight end, you know, you just don't see that as much. You know, more teams are using a third tackle yep. in that situation. Um, but you got to be able to, you know, win and man-to-man and stretch the field. And um, there's a lot of good tight ends that can do that for sure in this year's draft.
1: i got to ask your perspective on something here, Mike, about the run game. So many people kept saying, well, this is more and more of a passing league. So defenses were getting smaller and quicker. And all of a sudden, you had six and seven defensive backs on the field all the time. You got that, that, that jumbo nickel package, the big nickel as they call it. And then teams started running the ball more and getting more physical and getting more powerful. And it looks like the tides kind of turned a little bit. So how important is it to have a big, stout, tough inside linebacker who can now counter the trend towards the running offense?
5: Yeah, absolutely. You need all those days. And look, Jalen Smith, now he's not as big as what you said right, but like he came in and played really good, you know, down the stretch. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think both of the Giants linebackers actually were with the team, um, what, I'm trying right. to think. No, what, they weren't. What, right? In fact, Jared Davis started in the playoffs for them. He didn't pick
0: up up until Christmas
5: time. Yeah, that's I crazy. mean, yeah, John. I mean, it was like Josh Dobbs starting a playoff game for the Jaguars. Right. But to answer your question, absolutely, I think you need some physicality there. The problem is, when you have a first and second down Mike linebacker who's, let's say, 245 to 255 mm-hmm. pounds, that doesn't usually translate great into the kicking game. Like, those guys aren't great in space to cover, right. that's why when your backup linebackers can run, you know, those guys can cover, but I think it's fair, like, if you can't stop the run, especially if I'm, like, the Giants or the Cowboys, like, knowing that Philadelphia has a big physical offensive line. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, like, Philadelphia is hard to stop because Jalen Hurts makes great decisions, and his accuracy's gotten better, but, if you can't defend their run game, it's going to be hard to beat them consistently.
0: No doubt. And by the way, the Giants didn't defend their run game in both matchups mm-hmm. this year. Final one for me, Mike. If you're the Giants, you have Wing Martindale as your DC, right? Loves to blitz play man-to-man. If you want to take the next step as a defense this year, what would you look to build out if you're the Giants front office to try to get that defense to where you want it to
5: yeah, be? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I worked with Rex Ryan for a while with the Jets. Same thing. Just you, you need guys that could cover. And it's hard. Like, you want to have four, five, six corners back. And, and you know, talked about the big nickel. Like, you could slide a, a corner over to safety in past situations. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those matchups are an ideal, but um you really want to have depth at like corners and corners that can play band to man.
1: Final question from me goes to the coaching staff with Brian Dable and Mike Kafka on the offensive side of the ball when you saw what these guys were able to do and blend it together, and Dable actually gave the play calling to Kafka, when a lot of folks thought maybe he was hired to make the play calls. How surprised were you in that regard, and how well do you think that that will continue to progress on offense for that?
5: Yeah, you know, it says a lot about Brian. You know, he's a, a natural leader, and when things go well, he's going to celebrate his staff, and when things go poorly, it'll be his fault. And uh, I've known Brian for a long time. He has to change it all. He's... Um, He's a special guy, and the Giants are lucky to have him. Cool. It's the old Tom
0: Coughlin philosophy. He always said to us, when things go bad, it's the coach's fault. When things go right, it's the players. <laughs> that's exactly right. And, 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 that, and that's some great coaches too. Mike, this is great. Thank you yeah, very thank much. Thank you. Great Appreciate to see you, Mike. Mike thank Tannenbaum. you so much. We'll be Appreciate. back with more on Big Blue Kickoff Live right after this. We are back here on Big Blue Kickoff Live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis, our final day of live shows. we will have more Giant Huddle podcasts over the weekend. Make sure you stay tuned for that. We just talked to former NFL general manager Mike Tannenbaum to give the team side of the Daniel Jones and Saquon Broccoli negotiation. Well, here comes the counter offer. We're joined by <laughs> former yeah, yeah, yeah. NFL and uh, sports agent, Joel Corey, who, of course, uh, has great coverage on CBS Sports of all co- sorts of contract stuff and everything like that. Joel, John the Paul Hey, How you doing, man? Doing great. How you guys doing? Uh, we're doing fantastic. So let's kind of get right to it. Put us in the negotiating chair. If instead of athletes first, Daniel Jones got Joel on the line and said, hey, I, I need some representation. You just sit down. I probably wouldn't get hired because I wouldn't ask for 45 million people, <laughs> to okay. be honest
4: with you. Well, at the end,
0: we don't know what that, he would be asking. We that, don't know that, what that's he actually a, is the asking. The reported for. ask is very right. aggressive. Right. Yeah. Okay, so just take your story. Take your story. What do you got? Well,
4: I would look at how much it would cost the franchise him, not only once, twice, but the third franchise tag, and then base my initial offer off of that you're talking basically 127 over three years for if you include all three franchise tags in order to not go year for year we could discount that back to about 120 would be the initial last 40 million per year but i'd want it structured similar to what you did for leonard williams which was a pretty player friendly structure that he had i think he had 26 million of the 63 in the first year then 45 yeah, 45, I think after two. So you're going to have to pay me same percentages based on my money would be the ask. So we're talking about 85 million fully guaranteed at signing with the 120 ask, uh, 120 over three. And if I have to come down from that to get a deal done, then I wouldn't want to go below 37 and a half million per year, about 80 fully guaranteed at signing. But then I'm going to want incentives and escalators to push me over 40 million because i'm not at the 40 million based on me being top five statistically in certain categories um if i get any honors because i'm not a pro bowl guy at least on a first ballot yet and based on playoff advancement all right
1: joel let me let me ask you about all the different kinds of triggers and ways that you can get creative with this because it was made clear to me that Josh Allen has one of the more creative quarterback
4: contracts. I'm not and, doing a six year extension. No, Josh, I, I, I'm no, not no, saying no, that you are nor would the, nor are. the Giants, I think, want to that are. six years today. But Daniel in terms right
1: of the, the triggers and the kinds of things that are in the deal, not the length of the deal. Um Shane comes from the Buffalo. Uh, front office right so I would assume even though he is relatively green in his career as a general manager I would assume he has learned an awful lot from his days in Miami and Buffalo well
4: that'd to... be from Jim Overdorf who's been a long time sure. cap guy in in Buffalo he, so he, he should really way back
1: he should really have the ability to try to finesse and finagle this as much as anybody could right I mean his yeah, experience
4: should not hurt him but I would stay away from that with the Josh Allen deal because that deal was based off of the Mahomes deal because what Josh Allen did was looked at the new money through six years for Patrick Mahomes and barely beat that that's how he got to the 43 million per year Mm -hmm. then he's got those huge roster bonuses in the latter years which vest a year or two early so you're not really getting out of that deal but he does have incentives and escalators his are more based on MVP and Mm -hmm. some on top five um, performance in certain statistical categories so that's where that top five part would come from that's another quarterback contracts as well right. right
0: so i have two two follow-ups here one is length because we had when mike tannenbaum he said from a team perspective he would like to do a three-year deal because mm. he wants a way to get out of this if it doesn't go right so from the player perspective you would also want a three-year deal yeah, so he Brit's can deal. cash Counter... in yes. when the market resets. so yes that length is that something that you that think... might be the
4: easiest thing to agree upon Length the contract
0: so so you think if something does get done it's going to be in that three-year area
4: Yes, yes. Cause I don't see the Giants going for maybe they stretch to avoid the franchise tag and they can stick it on Saquon. Forty five million per year, that's awfully aggressive. Right now that make him the fifth highest paid player in the league. That's going to change very quickly because if all the guys we think will get done get done, he's pushing the bottom of the top ten. And but still that's aggressive for what
0: Daniel Jones has done. Okay. So then to follow up on that and then maybe this is a two parter, but I'll ask the first part first. So if you go to three years then that would probably, in theory, give the Giants a way to get out after two without taking too much pain in terms of dead money. Correct. Depends on how big the signing bonus is. Um,
4: I'm gonna want to like a forty-five million dollars signing bonus, so you prorate that over the cap three years. So that'll be fifteen.
0: That would be yeah, if, yeah. If you year, if right. you
4: want cap relief this year, and I'm talking, I want depending upon where I come in between forty-five and fifty million first year cash. Obviously, that's not including any deferrals of the signing bonus, then you could have a cap number as low as $17.5 million maybe, which is basically half of what the non-exclusive tag is. It was a, as
0: a player, that last year, you don't want that base salary too high, right? Because that's no, then going to no. give the team a reason to try to get the heck out of that Yeah, thing, well, one right? thing
4: I would want, one thing I'm going to, it's not going to all be base salary in the third year. Of course. I'm going to want some of it as a third or fifth day roster bonus. At least $5 million, right. as preferably $10 million. So you make the decision. March. If you pay the 10 million, you're not cutting me. And also means if you don't want, if you want to avoid paying the 10 million, you have to get a deal done before that vest becomes a sunk cost. Okay. Two prong question.
1: Yes. Number one, I know a lot of guys will say a deal will get done when it's supposed to get
4: done, but from your, I don't don't like that. Well, that's what they say. And that's what I'm asking you. I don't like that amorphous. It'll get done when it's supposed to get done. There's an art, there's a deadline for the Giants, because this reminds me of the Tennessee Titans of three years ago. They had two guys and they wanted to get one done. They had Derrick Henry and they had Ryan Tannehill. They got Tannehill done so they could stick a franchise tag on Derrick Henry. I think the Giants want to have somebody done so they can franchise the other. Ideally, they have Daniel Jones done. He knows this, so he's going to play harder ball. And if he has to play on a $32.416 million franchise tag, it's not the end of the world for him. He was supposed to make twenty two and some change if they picked the fifth year option, which mm-hmm. nobody in their right mind would have based on what he'd done his first three years. Right. So I totally understand that. So he and if he plays for thirty-two four and then knocks out the park next year, forty five million will be obsolete.
1: Okay. The second part to the question I was gonna ask is about athletes first. What is their reputation around the league in terms of how they like to construct their deals and how difficult or for that
4: matter, easy are they to do deals with? Well, I'll put it this way. Uh, An athlete's first agent represents Deshaun Watson.
0: And Dak Prescott, by the way.
4: Yeah, well, Deshaun Watson in particular had four years left on his contract, and they were able to parlay that into the fully guaranteed contract, which seems to be problematic for Lamar uh, Jackson. That Dak Prescott deal, very strong structure for a player. No franchise tag at the end of it, although he'd been franchised twice. Largest signing bonus in NFL history. No trade clause. Dallas is already talking about maybe doing it now. They, they'd have to do it next year if they don't do it now, because if they want to keep Dak, because they can't franchise him. So it essentially was a four-year deal masquerading. A uh, three-year deal masquerading is a four-year deal.
0: Mm-hmm. By the way, if, if you did do as a player agent, real quick call off, then I've more on Daniel if you did that three-year deal as a player agent with daniel would you put that you can't tag him after that three-year deal thing into no, that I don't, agreement? I don't think you need it you don't need particularly it, particularly
4: okay. if you get that um roster bonus in march because they are either going to do it early or not and if he's playing well <laughs> if quarterbacks don't hit the open market yeah. your cap number is going to be high regardless they end up extending it yeah be because fun. you're talking 40 million per year you're gonna have a high cap number regardless particularly yeah. if you've got 15 million as proration, so you're 120% of that number that's probably gonna exceed what the uh, non-exclusive franchise tag would be anyway.
0: Finally, my last one on Daniel, and then maybe Paul one more before we get to Saquon. Importance of cash numbers. You know, we, from the team perspective, we talk about cap numbers, right? How are you gonna spread the money out to make the cap manageable? But for the player, Cash in the first couple years is what's really important, right? So, can you talk about that and what the player wants and how that kind of counterbalances what the team's trying to do with cap management?
4: Yeah, you don't want a backloaded contract because let's say I have a contract averaging 40 million per year. That means a neutral deal would be 40, 80, 120. That's not good. Now, backloaded is going to be anything less than 80 after two years. That's not happening. So, I always looked at it from (laughs) a percentage standpoint. Uh, My rule of thumb on a three year deal would be 40% of cash first year or at least which is and i'm including not a signing bonus being deferred uh, obviously if you defer the signing bonus that changes the cash but, but
0: that would that would that would be your base out in your first year plus whatever the
4: signing yeah bonus but is. i'm assuming all of it's not deferred 100 yeah, right, right right then 70 percent is a base after year two you have leonard williams at about 71 and a half percent after year two and he's like at 41 percent after year one if you could do that for him three years ago two years ago whatever it was you can at least do that for me if i'm daniel jones probably better because i'm the quarterback
1: all right let's go to saquon barkley all right um i do think by the way jones will get done just my opinion i don't know how i suspect
4: get. if it's going to get done they're probably going to pay a little more than they thought they would just to avoid having that uh tag number eat up most of the 44 million cap space you have because you really don't want
0: to have a him on a 32 million dollar tag and you would imagine, by the Understood. way, if it, and if it's going to get done, it's going to get done before the tag deadline. Yeah, because yes. there's no reason for the team to make their offer well, well, better thing once is, the deadline you, passes, yeah, right? If you,
4: yes, exactly. Because you, if you don't get it done, you're going to tag him. And if you do that, you can't put a tag on Saquon because you can only tag one guy per year. So you, March 7th, 4 p.m. Eastern time is crucial for this thing to get done. So if that
0: tags on it, then you think he's playing on it.
4: Yeah, that means he didn't move on his demands very much. And then Johnson, like we have a walkaway point and if you think you're worth this much, maybe the market changes so much between now and it'll be July seventeenth this year as opposed to the fifteenth because the fifteenth falls on a weekend. Mm-hmm. Then if everything moves and the market shifts dramatically and you got three guys, let's say Burrow gets done and he's like at fifty five million per year, Herbert's like at fifty five, and Hurts is at fifty two and then Lamar gets done, which I don't think he will, and that's like fifty five as well, then maybe the forty five seems more
1: reasonable. All right. So, if the Giants get that deal done with Jones, how difficult will the negotiation be with Barkley, knowing that they have the tag to hold over his head if they want for about 10.1 mil?
4: That ship has sailed to me because when you offered him 12 million right right around the buy in November, you're not playing the two tag game because you're already exceeding on average in let's say it's a three year deal. You're at least have 20 more, 24 in cash over two years. You're not going to make that on two tags, so that kind of falls by the wayside. So you're really looking at what the market is of seven guys making twelve million per year or more. Um, there's a very narrow range. I know he said he did not want to be the highest paid guy or reset the market. I don't think anybody resets it, Josh Jacobs included. But when you say that, he's playing up he's probably playing a little award game here. I don't want to be the highest paid, second highest paid guy for now is Ezekiel at 15 million. is not the highest paid, which...
0: But still a nice contract, though. Yeah, that's still a little hot. (laughs) That's still a little hot. Okay. What what do you think that market's going to be like, Joel? We've talked to Mike Tannenbaum about this. We've talked to other people. It's such a flooded running back market this offseason yes it is i think it's a market that is really advantageous to teams that are looking for a running back right you mentioned josh jacobs miles sanders even guys like kareem hump alexander madison that they think are going to be starters right there's so many good running backs out there plus it's a great draft class so if they don't tag saquon and he hits the open market Do you think he's going to find much more than 12 and a half per year knocking on his door anyway? Yeah,
4: his big hope would be the Bears because they have 95 million in cap space. He'd be Mm -hmm. a huge upgrade over David Montgomery. So that would be his big – he's going to find out here because agents have meetings with teams. It's technically tampering, but nobody cares.
0: It's casual conversations at the bar, Joel. Yeah. It's not It's (laughs) it's called
4: meetings and team Sweets or wherever, <laughs> that's what it actually is. So he's gonna have a lay of the land, which he's gonna use that to make his decision on the deal. Now, to me, he was a top five back this year, had a career high in rushing yards. So if you look at the bottom of the top five right now, that's Derrick Henry at $12.5 million per year. Obviously he's not Derrick Henry, but that was a three year old deal. If you adjust that deal for cap inflation, you're basically at about $14.25 million per year. To me, that's the high end for what Saquon should get. So we're talking maybe, what's that, 57 over four. First two years are fully guaranteed, so maybe that's 29-30 fully guaranteed. Now, these guys in free agency haven't done well. There's one guy in recent years who has, and he's a cautionary tale. Uh, for another team in the uh, Metropolitan New York area, Le'Veon Bell. That didn't work out well for the, for the Jets. That was, Not I think, at all. $13.125 million per year is the average. Had I think 27 fully guaranteed at signing, 35 no overall guarantees. He didn't even get through the second year. That's the last guy who to get paid in free agency. So that free agent market doesn't necessarily cut in Saquon's favor, unless you got a team like the Bears or someone, with a ton of cap room that need to spend to hit spending minimums, need a running back to take pressure off of presumably Justin Fields and not the first round, using the first round pick on that number one pick on a guy. But this deal should get done if you have to stick a franchise tag on him, so be it. And then you have time until July to get the deal done. That's what the Titans did. Tannehill was done. Then derrick henry gets done before the deadline right all
1: right this is a very simplistic question joel and maybe you'll just laugh and it's okay if you do but (laughs) when when fans sometimes will call up on our bbkl show and they'll say oh yeah but saquon and daniel jones help each other they complement each other they've helped make this giants team good the giants are winning again it's a fun place to be Dable and kafka are great There's a lot of comfort a lot of success going on. Saquon made a ton from endorsements when he was brought to the Giants. (laughs) I'm already laughing.
4: I'm already laughing. (laughs) I I knew you would. So my my question That's the Michael Jordan argument. There you go. We We don't need to pay on your contract because look what you're doing off the field. The contract is the contract. There's a market for what the contract is. And I want to be paid according to my market and my worth in that arena. If I happen to make money off the field, that is a totally different bucket of money. How often, if at all, though,
1: does a player go to his player agent who handles his his sports business, not his other stuff, mm-hmm. and say, "You know what? I really don't want to leave here. I'm comfortable here. I need to stay. Just make sure you get it done. Because if, if I'm out this door, I'm not a happy man." Well, does is it, it, that is, does happen yes, sometimes. As an agent,
4: it? you have to remember that you work for the client. It's not the other way around. Some clients will give you specific directions. Here's what I want if I want to stay. then your job is to get the deal as good as possible. If you feel that the team has gotten to their drop dead point or an offer may get pulled, then you don't let that happen. You make sure you get that deal done. Right. So you are doing what your client wants. Some clients are like, okay, this team has known me for four or five years in Saquon's case. By now you should have gotten a deal done i'm not giving you a discount you don't get a right of first refusal put your best foot forward if it's not done by the time free agency starts you don't tag me i'm trying to leave you won't read about it in the paper or social media i'll give you a courtesy call but your your last offer is your last offer so mm-hmm. it all depends on the marching orders you get from your client
0: right all right let's go to julian love because we're running out of time before you take goodbye, gotcha. is that all right paul yep all right perfect what do you think that contract's gonna look like when all is said and done
4: uh, probably not a high dollar guy. Uh, you're paying Logan Ryan, I think, 10. Um, so I'd be trying to
0: look to get there. I don't know if it gets there. <laughs> so you think somewhere in like that $8 million range, yeah, maybe something yeah, like that? Yeah,
4: that's probably more appropriate. All right,
0: Although, then, but the thing
4: is, all players typically inflate their value <laughs> and then get a rude awakening in free agency sometimes. <laughs> I, I got to add one more. No, go ahead, please. I'm sorry, Joel.
1: No, I know right. we're keeping you late here. The Giants uh, clearly want to keep Leonard Williams. He's already told everybody that he's willing to work. Yeah, I with think that. he
4: retracted that because uh, <laughs> his agent probably was like, "What is wrong with you? You don't come out and
1: say you want to okay. take a pay cut." <laughs> but but he he's got a thirty-two million dollar cap hit this year, and that's not going to happen. That's going to yeah, have to be adjusted. Yeah, you are going to have to adjust that. Okay. If
4: you are going to adjust it, then I want to be made whole, whatever the pay cut is. First thing I am doing while I am here, I am the agent, I am. Um, Assessing the lay of the land to see if anyone's going to keep me where I am and if not then my I'm going to try to make the pay cut as best as I can where let's say you had to take a seven and a half million dollar pay cut then I want to earn that back some way through statistical incentives Mm playtime honors I want to have a chance to be made whole. And the reason I ask about that is because Dexter Lawrence is Woo-hoo. now
1: in his fifth-year yeah. option situation. And he's going to get paid, right? And you figure these are the two big guys up front in the yes. trenches who the Giants are relying on, and, and they're going to have to uh, pony up for both of
4: them. Yeah, well, this market's going to change the interior defensive line market because the ceiling used to be Aaron Donald at $22.5 million. Nobody went above that, and that was a 2018 deal, and he was the highest-paid non-quarterback briefly, the ink was barely dry before Khalil Mack came in at 23 and a half. Then he got a weird deal last year. I've never seen a guy making a ton of money have a team just rip up the contract, add no new years. Had three years left, 95 over three is what they did. So he's making more than fifty, a little more than 50% above second place, which is Leonard Williams and DeForest Buckner. So you've got Quentin Williams, who wants a deal before they come back for the offseason workout program, Jeffrey Simmons in Tennessee, and Dexter Lawrence, in addition to Chris Jones, who's the, who had the best year of an interior defensive lineman. He's in a contract year. He's got like a $28 million cap hit. His tag number next year is like 33 and a half, so you can't really tag him. He's the one – he said, I hope these young guys blow it out of the water. So, (laughs) he's looking at this probably, I should be at 30, or he can make the case I was better than Aaron Donald, I should be paid more than Aaron Donald. The non-quarterback market, when it's all settled at the end of the offseason or training camp, I think Nick is the first $35 million per year non-quarterback. Thirty-five. Well, Mm. here's why I say that. His brother, Joey, set the market at 27 a couple of years ago and he was 8% more than what Miles Garrett got. Same agent. He's gonna try to get the same increase for the younger brothers than for the older brother. That's gonna put you right around 35. So if I'm Dexter Lawrence, I'm not in any hurry. I know I'm making 12.407 million on the fifth year option. I want something done, but I wanna see other developments in the marketplace. I want Quentin Williams to do well, hopefully. Jeffrey Simmons to do well. And oh, one more. Deron Payne is going to get overpaid. They stuck a franchise tag on him. Right. He has Joel Siegel as an agent who had DeForest Buckner. That thing's not coming in to me uh, below 22. So your floor is going to be 22. I'm probably going to adjust Leonard Williams for cap inflation um, as a starting point. So I'm trying to get north of
0: 25. If I'm Dexter Lawrence. And then real quick before you say goodbye, Andrew Thomas is going to get an extension at some point too. He's two years out, so they have some time with him. But top flight left tackle. Oh, that market. No,
4: that market's going to change big time this year. Talk for to runners. me. What it's it not going to
0: be Orlando Brown.
4: Oh boy. It's okay. going to be Laramie Tunsil. Laramie Tunsil did a three-year deal um, in 2020, three-year extension. They've restructured that thing twice, kicked the can down the road. He's got a $35.2 million cap hit. You can't franchise him because that's 42 next year he's got all the leverage in the world laramie
0: tunsell's gonna blow that i don't know where the number's gonna be he's gonna blow it out of the water paul dottino is agita joel thank you very much for that i appreciate it on the way out he's gonna have heartburn on the plane now yes yeah, i'm so awesome. probably
4: giving giants fans a headache or like oh great we're gonna have to. Well, it's a nice problem to have you have to pay hey you want you, to pay good players you got right? good players you. players you hit on good andrew players. thomas You hit on dexter lawrence Saquon bounced back. Daniel Jones started living up to his potential to be the sixth overall pick. Nice problem to have. Uh, it's better than looking for a quarterback. We don't have a blindside <laughs> protector. So right. think of it that way. That's the positive, silver lining. The uh, other, other uh, way of looking at it is, man, we're going to be spending a lot of money on some players, and
0: we're not going to have any cap room anytime soon. Joel, <laughs> good stuff, man. I really appreciate it. It's always the wizard of the numbers. He's Thank the you, Joel. Thank you. W- we learned a whole lot. Joel, Core. what's up? I'm John Wall, and I'm CJ Toladonna, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now
4: joined by three-time NBA six Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court One-on-One Tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all?
5: I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all.
3: I said I said OG oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in
5: college because they didn't it. Ain't it?
4: <laughs> Check out point game with John Wall and CJ
0: Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back for our final segment of Big Blue Kickoff Live here from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. We thank Mike Tannenbaum and Joel Corey for joining us. And again, folks, we're not trying to negotiate any contrast, giving our opinion on what Daniel Jordan and Saquon deserve, what they should get, what they will get. We just wanted to kind of put those two guys in the spot. Perspective. Right. As a general, former general manager and a former agent, kind of talking about exactly how this thing's going to look. And I think the interesting thing, Paul, and by the way, Tony Pauline's here. You all know him. And um, he, he almost outpriced himself, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did. And the funny thing is, Tannenbaum and Joe Corey both kind of came out to the same three-year, you know, 30X number million dollar type of contract. So it's funny. We'll see if that's the solution that the Giants can kind of come to with, uh, with, with Daniel Jones. All right, now we're joined by Tony Pauline. Of course, uh, if you're a follower of the Draft Season podcast, you know Tony. He and I do draft stuff every week together. Uh, make sure you go, by the way, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Just search for Draft Season, or you can find it on the Giants app or podcast platforms. But we want to give him a chance to, you know, that's more of an overall draft thing with some Giants flavor to it. Today we're going to just pepper him with Giants stuff in terms of Giants' needs, who they're going to go after. Mm -hmm. This is going to be super Giants-centric, folks. So I know a lot of people have said, John, why don't you ask Tony more Giant questions on draft season? Well, now's your chance. Here's what we're going to do, Tony. Let's start here. Um, Giants at 25, where's the value in this class Picking late in the first round like the Giants are this year.
2: You want to say maybe receiver, maybe cornerback. You know, obviously the Giants have to wait for the draft to come to them. Unlike last couple of years where they were at the top. Thank you. And, you know, you would hope for certain players to fall down. You still you still hope for certain players to fall down, but it's a different situation. I, I You know, there may be a run on cornerbacks. There could be a good one there for the Giants to select. Uh, if there's a run on receivers if there's no running receivers, maybe there's a good one to select. I think in my mock draft, I hadn't had him taking John Michael Schmitz of Minnesota because you look at center, I mean, in a week or two, the Giants may not have a center on their uh, depth chart. <laughs> He's a Giants type of player. They are about to put, or they're looking to invest heavily in two offensive players, Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. So you better be able to protect them. So it was, it was a good player with a fit And considering that there were no highly rated uh, cornerbacks or wide receivers that dropped in my draft, I thought that made the most sense.
1: Is there a possibility, after what Joe Shane told us the other day, that defensive line and inside linebacker are tough positions to fill? Is there a possibility that there's somebody there at 25 at either of those two positions who you think is the appropriate value?
2: Um, well, I, I guess if you're looking at defensive line, they took their sort of edge guy last year. I, I mean, it kind of falls off at the defensive defensive line position after your first two guys with Jalen Carter, Carter and Brian Brise, It mm-hmm. really drops off to fit that sort of system. Is there any and shot
0: Brise drops that far?
2: I shot no. I don't think I, he doesn't get past the Steelers. I mean, if Steelers have a need and Steelers have a need at offensive tackle. They have a need at, uh, at off defensive tackle. I, I'd be shocked. Uh, and yeah. Brise performed well yesterday. He, he, was, he was good. I mean, he tested well. He looked good in the drills. Not the biggest guy, and you know, inside linebacker. I, you know, I think they can probably get a good one in the second round if uh, if they're looking in that direction.
1: Yeah, we've been told that is not exactly a stellar class, no. so it probably does pay in terms of value right. to get one later.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it.
1: Fifty-seven no, is their next pick, by the way.
2: Noah Sewell. Didn't have the greatest testing workout yesterday, but he is an outstanding football player. He has been at Oregon for you know a, n- a number of years and now, and no one
0: expected him to test great either. No. So I don't think that's going to hurt him now. No,
2: much. And, and you know his production fell off in 2022. And when I talked to the people at Oregon, they said, "Well, he was the system was not designed for him to make plays. The system was for him to remain disciplined with gap assignments, set the edge, take on blocks, and he did it very well." which is why he part of the reason why he entered the draft.
0: Yeah, and I talked to him yesterday he said yeah, I asked him I actually asked him what, with the scheme change how did that affect what you did? He goes, "They I actually have me play outside a little bit more right. too." Right. To your point of the edge. edge. Exactly. exactly.
2: Right. So and that was I was told part of the reason why uh you know, he entered the draft, why go back take that beating and not really elevate your draft stock. I mean, but I mean you you can de-winter's later on in, in day 3. I like the Marion Elbichon guy who can play outside, who can play inside. Look, I'm cheating on my notes here. Uh Dan Henley of uh, of Washington State, keep an eye on Isaiah Moore from North Carolina State. I'm
0: not familiar. Tell us well, about Well, keep him.
2: an eye on him. He's a guy who I've been high on for 4 years now. He's played inside, he's played outside. He's tough as nails. We uh, we interviewed him at the Shrine game, and he's the guy that he's the type of guy you are like, "Whoa, okay, I want I want to be behind him, not in front of him." Okay, he is that type of player. He's smart. He'll test okay. He's not a great tester. He does better in coverage, I believe, than what he's given credit for. But I think day three, when you get in that fifth-round area, if the Giants have not addressed the inside linebacker need, that's a guy they look Mm. to.
0: Do you think Campbell gets to their pick in round two in the 50s?
2: No, I thought he was okay yesterday. He He was was, fine. Yeah, he wasn't great, but he does enough things well, and the film is good enough that I, I doubt he gets past the middle of round two.
1: Where do you value Sanders?
2: You know, I am not as high on Sanders as most other people because when I watch Sanders at Alabama and and Arkansas, he's basically an in-the-box, up-the-field type guy, and he looked like he was a liability in coverage. Now, Mm -hmm. yesterday I tweeted out he looked a lot better in coverage drills than I expected. And you can only get so much here. But he looked a looser in his hips. There was a flexibility there I didn't see during the season. As far as. If you're what,
0: listening to way, go to YouTube. Tony just mimicked being loose in the hips. It, it was something.
2: There you go. <laughs> <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: There you go. My daughter would be embarrassed. My daughter is at Ohio State. She's, oh. in, the, she's in the dance program. She would be embarrassed by that. Um, but as far as where, I think you probably look in anywhere between, say, pick 38 and pick 48, somewhere in the middle of that round two mm-hmm. area. I, you know, from the film, I think he's a two-down defender. I think on third and sixth situations, you're going to have to take him off the field because he's going to be a liability in coverage. Or, and, him. or you can do that, which he did at Alabama, which he did occasionally at Arkansas.
1: Interesting thing, at his podium, he talked about how much he wants to be a middle linebacker, but said, uh, I love to spy on quarterbacks. It's my favorite thing to do, but... You need the athleticism and the ability to change direction and all that other stuff really well. Donald no, no, Simpson
0: that. said that too. By the way, he loves spying. See,
2: Trenton Simpson may be able to get away with it. Drew Sanders, I don't know, can get away with it because you're spying on the quarterback. If you take off up the field, here comes the tight end behind you, and then there's a you know eight to ten yeah. yard gain. So you got to be careful.
0: All right, wide receivers. You know, we talked about it a lot, a lot. Tony, is for the Giants as a possibility here. When do you think the first wide receiver is going to go? And which ones do you think realistically could be available when the Giants get to 25? Is they probably can't draft a slot guy yeah. because they have Wandel Robinson. So talk to me about those options. And if you think round one is going to get washed out, it's not going to work. Who are some of the day two guys that you like?
2: There are a lot of day two guys, but let's, get, let's, let's answer that later on. As far as round one, I think you've got to see what happens with Tennessee. Tennessee needs offensive lineman. I think uh, the big two offensive linemen paris johnson and-, and Skronsky, will be off the board when they're called to the clock do they value broderick jones of georgia do they think he's worth that early of a first round pick if not they need a speed receiver i think that's where the first receiver can go then you got san diego you got a, you got seattle who needs receivers so i think the top receivers will be off the board or at least in my first mock draft we have to see how they test uh, when the Giants are called to the clock. Just a heads up, Quinton Johnston is not going to run the 40. I don't know if he announced is that.
0: It. No, he did not, I was, did I, not. Was, sure.
2: I was told the other night that he is not going to run the 40 at the combine. He's going to wait for his pro He's going to do all bad. the other testing. Uh, but even with Quinton Johnson, you've got to wonder if it's a Brian Dable type of receiver. you know? Because as we've talked about uh, on the show numerous times the draft do, season. Uh, he's a big, fast, physical guy who doesn't run good routes, who doesn't consistently catch the ball with proper fundamentals. He drops a lot of passes. You know, the Giants are probably like a Jordan Addison. Zay Flowers is that sort of Trevon Diggs type of receiver, a little bit small, a little bit more explosive. Let's see how he runs. He's told us at the uh, told us at the Shrine game, he's going to run in the 4-3s. He doesn't look like he plays in the 4-3s. And as I've said time and time again, Keyshawn Booty, as we've talked about on the show, is sort of the wild cardness. Because you go back to the 2000, so. 2021 film, he was outstanding. The first part of the season this year, he was non-existent. He turned it on the second half of the season, and he started to show that dominance that he displayed in 2021. And as we've said, well, as I say all the time, you know, LSU receivers are better on Sunday than they are on Saturday, and they're darn good receivers on Saturday. Yeah,
0: we had, mm-hmm. Somebody told Paul and I earlier today that they wouldn't be surprised if Keyshawn Butte in three years was a pro bowler
3: or yeah. if he was on his third team.
2: Right, exactly. It depends. Are you getting the Kayshawn Booty from 2021? That's the pro bowler. Are you getting the Kayshawn Booty for the first four or five uh, games of uh, 2022? That's the guy who's going to bounce from team to team. And, you know, the interesting thing about Booty is he initially said he was going back to school. He initially said he was going to return to LSU. And then he made a late decision to kind of uh, reverse that decision. And you would have thought that that would have been the better choice with Jaden Daniels going back to LSU because they seem to really pick it up. You know, seem to connect towards the end of the well, last especially season.
1: since he told us today also that he played in three different schemes at LSU, which obviously didn't help him. Right. Sure. You know.
2: Sure. Uh I'm a
1: big guy if they go wide receiver in the second round, because Addison's my guy in the first right. round, and I don't think he gets there at twenty five. I think no. he's gone. I believe okay? I agree with that. So I'm thinking at fifty seven, I'm I'm crossing my fingers that Tillman will be there.
2: I doubt it. I love Tillman. I had I, I, you know, everyone talks about Jalen Hyatt. But when you watch the film from Tillman last year, it's like, wow, Tillman plays a receiver position like he's a linebacker. Yeah. He attacks the opponents. When the ball's in the air, he attacks the ball. He runs crisp outs. He's a savvy guy. He works hard, even when he, the play is away from him. He does a great job blocking. And I mean, the only thing is, is he's probably going to run. I'm told he's going to run faster than expected, so he'll probably run under 4.45. Uh, I, I doubt he's there. I mean, I'd
0: someone be- told us what 4.42 today. They, th- okay. they thought he yeah. might hit okay. somewhere in that area. And,
2: and, and he, he plays that, but he's an outstanding receiver. He's not a downfield threat. He's a timing. I think that'd be a great pick. I doubt he gets past the forty fifth, fiftieth selection around two. Right. See, he uh, this
0: is not a year where like the Giants pick in Xavier McKinney at right. thirty eight. It's, it's going to make finding that second round pick a lot tougher. Unfortunately, I don't think. You no. know,
2: it depends. I mean, Josh Downs, does he make it to the Giants? Yeah. Pick Five nine two again, right? Okay. Uh,
0: remember, shane has got
1: two third round picks. He could always move up a little bit if he wanted to.
2: Jade, Good. Jaden Reed. Uh, round two, and I mean, even in round three, you know, Jonathan Mingo, not the fastest guy in the world, but he's Mm -hmm. very savvy, he's very crafty, he knows how to separate, he's a, he's a A. A.J. Brown body type of guy, who does exceptionally well catching the ball, Michael Wilson, who we saw at the Senior Bowl. I
0: I like the Michael Wilson, because you're kind of shooting for the moon there, right? Look, there's a lot of bust potential with the injuries, but when he's healthy, boy, and speaking at the podium today... What a great, great smart kid. He's from Stanford, what do you expect? But the
2: thing about what we saw at the Senior Bowl, which really caught everyone by surprise, was his route running, his ability to separate. I mean, Mm -hmm. no one, Tank Dell and Michael Wilson, no one could cover. At the Senior Bowl, because they were such exceptional route runners, and that's what the league is moving towards. You know, Quentin Johnston at six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pounds, went in for the contested throw. is nice, but they want those guys who can separate through the routes.
1: Now, Tony, for years, I've been told by by veteran personnel guys that you have the best percentage chance of finding a deep round wide receiver or an undrafted wide receiver who might amount to something over any other position. Okay, I don't know if you agree with that, but that's the that's the pr- premise I've been given.
2: I, I, it's all up here with those guys. You know, it's a, it's a, the ability. What happens is they're they're late round guys or they're free agents because they don't run fast or they're a little bit smaller. But it's the ability to absorb the concept. Not like Victor play Cruz, with, yeah, nobody thought right. Play within the scheme. Who's the guy that they did so well for the Giants this year that they, that they got from Buffalo? Hodges. Hodges. Yeah, yeah right. Hodges. Okay, understand the scheme. Understand your responsibility. And and play within the system. All
1: right, so I got a name for you. Oh boy! I told you I was going to spring you your did. name on you yeah. from the Shrine Game, Shaq Davis, South Carolina State Wolf, out of I, the Shrine Game. I'm going to tell you
2: something about Shaq Davis, okay? He could run in the four threes here. I'm told. I'm that doomed.
1: He's I'm, no longer I, a sleeper. I I'm am doomed. told that
2: that his <laughs> his uh, his I'm testing doomed. times have been out of sight. He played well. He caught the ball much better at the Shrine Game than we thought. He, uh, let's let's go back. You watching him. I watched him the last two years, and he looked like a long, big arm receiver that would just went out for the contested throws. Mm-hmm. Goes to the Shrine Game, and you know I wrote about him for every day at Pro Football Network. Ran better routes than expected. Caught the ball much better than expected. He looked like a next-level receiver. And then I'm talking. He's training in Florida. I'm talking with the trainers, like, and I'm hearing. He's going to run in the four threes at six foot five. What is he, 212 or something like yeah, that? Yeah. And he's going to run super fast. And you, and here's a guy who he's got to get a little bit bigger because he's got a thin frame. needs and, some meat. And he's going to struggle, you know, at the next level, press coverage, things like that. Tall, long arms, wins out for the high pass, catching the ball much better than expected in the months leading up to the draft. And now I'm told he could run in the four threes. I, I mean, that means you're probably talking potential late day two now.
0: Paul jinxing picks all the way in Indianapolis. See and, and, and good see, job, and You
2: were you were afraid that I was going to give you a dud. Well, I was at the trying game, so yeah, you know I was on edge. But uh, <laughs> it's all tough right. to fool me. Although I didn't know Lucas Lucas Van Ness that one time. Yeah, uh, that, that was uh, that,
0: that was a uh, that was way early in the draft. Yeah, closet, exactly. Yeah. All right, let's go. Cornerback. You mentioned it earlier. Deep group. Yep. Um, you know what, Wink Martindale wants long. Yep guys that yeah. can run and play press man yeah. uh who could be there in round one and again if that same question as before if that doesn't work out who right. do you like a little bit later down in the draft
2: if deontay banks is there at 25 that's
0: my guy another uh, one that's of a my hit.
2: guys now here's a couple things about deontay banks He's, you
1: know
0: we agree so much
2: uh, you know scary. that it is it really scary. is scary. yeah yeah you by the like, way
0: you... tony i would not be happy about that yeah. if i were you i was gonna say you got my
2: you got my address to send a check right <laughs> you um here's the thing about deontay banks no one really knew about Deontay Banks coming into the season. And what was happening was the Maryland coaches saying, watch this guy, watch this guy. And he had a terrific year. Okay. He had an outstanding year. Showed a lot of ball skills. Very confident to the point of being arrogant, which probably isn't a bad thing at the cornerback position. He's going to work out exceptionally well. Could break into the high four twos. I doubt he runs slow in the 4 three, three here, which is going to elevate mm. his draft stock. Point being is that Devonte Banks is a guy who's watching his draft stock take off. So he in, might not be
0: there. Is what in my mock me.
2: draft, I didn't have him there. Okay. Wow. But getting back to you know the long cornerbacks.
0: Paul continues to get crushed today. I always enjoy that. <laughs> uh,
2: you know, Garrett Williams of Syracuse. <laughs> Garrett Williams of Syracuse coming off an injury, but you watch Garrett Williams. I mean, he is a big, tough cornerback who's very athletic. I don't know if he's going to test before draft day. Uh, Fits that mold that you talk about. Later on, Tyreek Stevenson, who we saw at the Senior Bowl. You want to talk about long athletic guys who are very quick and very explosive, needs to be more disciplined with his techniques. Sometimes he can be all over the place. Here's another guy. You want to talk about a long athletic guy. Maybe late round three could slide into what? The early part of day three, Terrell Smith of Minnesota. Track and field guy. Again, coming into the season as a senior, was ignored by scouts, got better and better as the week went on, tough physical guy, showed improved ball skills, and had three outstanding days of practice at the Shrine game where Shaq Davis was. You
0: haven't mentioned mm-hmm. um, the second South Carolina corner that was really good in yeah. at, at the combine. Yeah, it? I mean, at uh, the part. bowl, Darius Rush, right.
2: thank you. I don't know if it's the scheme, it's just that Rush on film, and I'm heard he's gonna I heard he's going to test well. Rush on film just struggles making plays with his back to the ball. I know everybody's in love with him, but I think when you when I anyway, when I got into the film, I was like, eh, nothing, nothing fantastic here. The guy we didn't talk about that I'm sure everybody loves is Keely Ringo. And we've talked about mm-hmm. him, you know, time and time again on the show. And Keely Ringo's highlights are great. And he's a big guy, and he's gonna test well, and everyone's gonna fall in love with him. But as we talked about, when you really get into the film, You see a lot of undisciplined play from Keely Ringo. You see a guy who's wondering what's going on. You see a guy who gives up a lot of receptions, which means he needs a lot of work on this game.
1: All right, I want to backtrack just a bit because you had mentioned Schmitz as a possible first-rounder for the Giants at center. Right. Given the fact that they've got free agents there and they may not have an incumbent coming back. Right. Let's assume they don't take a center in the first round and they go after one of these other positions. How many other potential starting centers yeah. are sitting in this draft. How far can they go before, uh-oh, you better get get a veteran free agent because there's nobody else here?
2: You know, you talked about receivers and how you talk to scouts and personnel, people mm-hmm. say so you can get good receivers late. You can also get good centers late. Okay. I, I mean, the history has shown that. I happen to like Luke Whipler, as John will tell you, of Ohio State. I don't know that he's gonna be there at the end of round two. A lot of people like Joe Tipman as do I, from uh, Wisconsin. Then you get into the day three guys. Juice Scruggs of uh, Penn State who played guard as a junior, moved to center. Great name. Fundamentally sound guy. He's tough. I don't think he gets the, uh, gets the credit that, that he's due. Jarrett Patterson of uh, mm-hmm. uh, Notre Dame. Right. He was pretty good at Mobile. He was terrific at center and guard. Early on in his Notre Dame career when he played center, everyone thought, okay, this guy's a a top 60 pick. His game kind of fell off. He was good at uh, in Mobile. Ricky Stromberg of Arkansas, who is a tough, nasty Giants type of punch in the face uh, center, Mm -hmm. doesn't always play with proper knee bend, which, which is going to, which is a problem. I like Alex Forsyth of Oregon, who's here. He is a thinking man center. He consistently gets the job done. Has some back issues, that's my phone. You <laughs> hear Led Zeppelin's The Immigrant Song, that's my phone. Uh, uh, has some back issues. Not not. He is a thinking man center who gets the most from his ability, who really that Oregon offense kind of revolved around him. If you watch the Oregon offense, he's going to go late, but he's a guy who I think can have, if he's healthy, he can have a 10-year career at the next level.
0: Wow, good stuff. Um, and needs Paul for the Giants want to touch Tony or uh
1: well, let's see. We went through the center, we went through the inside okay. linebacker, we went through receiver, corner. we mentioned defensive line, we mentioned corner.
0: All right, well, last one. Go ahead. Maybe the Giants need a running back. Well, I mean, it's not out of the question. All right. I think we think they can figure something out with Saquon, but you never know. All right. And it's a great class. Terrific class. Uh how early do you have to st- what, How early do you start thinking about it? And then how late can you still think about it to have a guy that can come in and at least be a part time starter?
2: It depends on what your philosophy is. Okay? I, I mean, are yeah, you going to go? How
0: many guys with, with third round grades, with at least a third round grade, do right. you have, Tony? You
2: got one, two, three, it's four, like five, six. And that will be kind of sorted here with the testing. Okay? Yeah. And, and remember, you- the
1: Giants have two third round
2: picks. You also got to remember. A lot of these guys on my draft board at running back are underclassmen. So there's not that much information on underclassmen as far as height, weight, hand size, arm length, things like that. Okay. Getting back to your question, I mean, I think Jameer Gibbs would be a perfect fit for the Giants offense. I him absolutely. in the passing
0: do. game would be unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Right? And,
2: and, you know, run on the inside, turn the corner. He does everything very well. Would they take him late round one? You know, History tells us not these days. Chris Rodriguez, another guy, tough, more downhill type of runner, like Saquon Barkley, doesn't really. They really never used him in the passing game, which is a little bit, uh, you you know, kind of got suspicious with the quarterback they had. Maybe it was the quarterback, maybe it wasn't. Uh, You know, you go, you get later on, Cameron Peebles of uh, Appalachian State, who didn't have the greatest year, but he's he's a tough runner. Depends on the type of running back that they're looking for. I think if they're gonna part ways with Saquon, which I'm sure they don't wanna do, and you gotta take a running back, you gotta get a replacement, uh, you gotta get it early. Otherwise, the only guy that would be a sleeper late in round three, day three would be Eric Gray of Oklahoma, who's very quick, who's a tough runner. And as we've seen recently out of Oklahoma, Those day two picks, those fourth round picks that come out of that program have had a lot of success at the next level. All right, I'm
1: going to ask you one other running back question, Tony, Mm -hmm. because we have had people say, oh, you know what? The Barkley thing may not work out. Is there any way that Robinson falls to 25? Is that possible?
2: It's not out of the question. I'm going to say it's less than 50-50, but it's not out of the question. Buffalo has what pick? What number pick?
1: I don't know. Hold on.
2: I got to hear. Buffalo has to pick
0: after the Giants, right?
2: Okay. That's Buffalo's what? got 27. Right. Yeah. So it, it yeah. could move
0: up. And Dallas is after the Giants, too. If they you know, well, lose I don't, Pollard and lose that.: I don't they, think they're
2: going to lose Pollard. No, I, 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 I wouldn't think, think lose so poll- either. Dallas is 26. Um, yeah. Right yep. I have Buffalo taking B. John Robinson right now. There, there was talk that they were going to take Brees Hall last year. They, you know, that may be the final piece. B. John Robinson is... A terrific back. I mean, he, he's a great ball carrier. B. John Robinson... He's a
0: top five player on the overall board, right? B. B. John yeah. Robinson
2: 25 years ago would have been in the conversation to be a top three pick, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, my only concerns about Bijan Robinson is I don't know that he's a good fit for Northeast football. You know, if we go back to tradition, right. Northeast football in the elements, in the cold, you know, when it's third and two, you're giving him the ball if he's going to be able to pick up that short yardage because he's a guy that's brought down rather easily at the point by mm-hmm. a single defender as a period, as opposed to say Jameer Gibbs, who's able to pick up a lot of yards off initial contact. I mean, I, it it it's possible. You're talking about the running back class, so you never know. Yeah. I mean, revision is history. Brees Hall never should have gotten out of the first round. No. But he did.
0: All right. Final question, Tony. You're locked in with these agents. You kind of can see things that are going to happen before they do. Besides the obvious guys that we've all heard about, Right. give me some names that are going to come out of nowhere maybe is a little bit strong, but really become national names over the next four days of testing wow. that maybe people aren't talking about, but right. they should be.
2: Tucker Craft, South Dakota State, the tight end. Uh, we talked about him before on the show. He plays the tight end position like a wide receiver. He is fast, he is explosive. He is a tough, sort of uh, confident guy, maybe to a fault. He turns some people off, but you know, he gets the job done. He's been very productive. Look down my list here. Tajay Spears. People know about him. You talked about Sam LaPorta. I don't know how well he's going to test Uh, that. And I I guess Shaq Davis would be the other one because Shaq Davis is what's going to happen. Don't do that to me. Sorry. Uh, When they see his height and his size, uh, you know, people are going to he's going to go viral. Jalen Duncan. Out of yeah, Maryland, who well. we saw at the uh, Senior Bowl, who did a good job. I'm told he's going to run in the four sevens. They run on on uh, they run on Sunday.
0: What do you uh, think, uh, Rashi Rice is going to run? I know that's going to be pretty big for him.
2: Yeah, I'm told his his workouts have not been that great. Not been that great. High four fours. I'd be surprised. Oh, I, know. Goes, I think uh, if he,
0: I think if he goes how low than four five. I think it's a win for him to be honest with you.
2: Maybe, but he's a thinner guy, yeah. and he presented himself as a downfield threat. At uh, SMU, he's also
0: listed at six three at SMU, and he measured it at six one at the senior bowl. Okay. Too, one of those, uh, and, and he's
2: a thinner guy, so you know, he's not the greatest route runner. You know, mm-hmm. Jordan Addison is probably going to run in the low four fours. That's a good time for Jordan Addison because you know that's not his game. Speed is not his game. He's a great route runner who separates from defenders and catches mm-hmm. the ball very well. Where you watch Rasheed Rice, his game was not precise route running, precise timing. It was more helter skelter, if you will.
0: We got time uh, for one more. Uh, let me let me yeah one more. Let me do a quick follow up. One running back you to mention, and we haven't really talked much about it at all, even on draft season. Which by the way, go go subscribe. Devin Ashane. I know a lot of people think yep. his forty time could maybe be Chris Johnson esque.
2: It, it's not. It, I you know forget about the forty time. He's super quick and he's super smart. So he's and super
0: small. It, it, exactly. Well, that's <laughs> why you got to yeah. be super quick.
2: Right. Uh, and the thing is, he's got great vision. I mean, he is. If you watch the film, he he's a guy that will see the field, wait for his blocks to develop. Find the hole, and he makes good decisions. The question is: Is he anything more than a third-down back? You know, I, I mean that's, and, and that's okay in these days. That's why I think Tajay Spears is going to go much earlier than expected. A Kane is also a terrific pass catcher out of the uh, backfield. So when when I look at those types of back, Tajay Spears is up here. A Kane is down here, but he's not that much of a drop-off. Well, wrap us up.
1: All right. Aside from Carl Brooks, the defensive lineman out of Bowling Green, is there one or two guys you really wish were here and were not invited?
2: Yeah, you know, we talked about this. No. And I like Carl Brooks. I mean, I've been on Carl Brooks for three years now. But I don't think, I I mean, I don't think that they did a bad job. As we talked about, there's going to be, there won't be a situation where a guy who wasn't invited in the combine is selected in the third or fourth round. That's how you know they really missed, and that's how, that has mm-hmm. happened in the past. But even Carl Brooks not being here. I mean, Carl Brooks, good player, very explosive player from Bowling Green. For a couple of years now, he's, he was never anything more than a sixth or seventh round pick. Okay. So the, the answer is, what I like? There probably were, if I go through the list, there's probably a few guys I would have liked to see him here. Josh fan out of South Carolina, who really didn't live up to expectations this year the receiver but he go back to the 2021 film he was explosive and had was graded highly by scouts coming into the year but again i don't think you're go- there, there won't be a situation where a guy who was selected in third fourth maybe even the fifth round except if it's a kicker no name kicker in the Patriots' taken which often happens <laughs> uh was a combine nine invite
0: okay tony good stuff my man thank you very much Always right. good to see you tony That wraps us from the Combine here in Indianapolis. By the way, if you like that stuff from Tony talking about draft prospects, go subscribe to Draft Season, our draft podcast, which goes all year round. Uh, Find it on your favorite podcast platform or go to the Giants mobile app or giants.com slash podcast. Thank you to all of our guests. I'm not going to list them all because I don't have another 15 minutes to kill here. Uh, But go check it out. (laughs) Go to the Big Blue Kickoff feed on your favorite podcast platform. Again, the Giants app, giants.com slash podcast. Uh, we had four pack shows, more than 20 guests. Just a, a great week here. We enjoyed it. We learned a lot. Hope you did too. Thank you for being with us, for Paul Dettino, for Tony, for all of our guests this week. Thank you for being with us from Indianapolis. We're coming home, weather permitting. We'll see you Get in zone, AutoZone.
2: Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? I got to change the oil in my car. Right now, get five quarts of Pennzoil Platinum Full Synthetic.